Hello everyone, we're back with the next episode on our podcast on the drama of redemption. In this series, we are reflecting on the truth that, as Hebrews 1 puts it, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And we are following the thread of our redemption in Christ throughout all of scripture. I'm Skye, and I'm here with my coworkers, Anna and Sam. Hi, guys. Hello. We are currently looking at the themes of the prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament, and how each title then points us forward into the New Testament. So far, we have focused on the leadership title of king. As we discussed the first two kings of Israel, Saul and then David, along with each of their failings and sin. Last week, we also looked at Psalm 51, which is King David's public confession of his sin. This week, we'll be focusing on the title prophet. We have already read some about specific prophets, such as Moses and Samuel. Samuel's the one who anointed Saul and David each as king. And today, we're going to dive into looking at some of the prophecy that Isaiah records. But before we jump into the book of Isaiah, let's pause on the general topic of prophet. We mentioned two weeks ago that a prophet is someone raised up by God to speak God's word to the people. But there is more depth and more characteristics of prophets that we can look at. Throughout the Old Testament, we see different prophets raised up to speak to the people of Israel over different time periods, in different locations, and for different purposes. Some prophets were listened to and heeded. You can think of Jonah and Nineveh's repentance. Um, While other prophets were rejected, ignored, or constantly questioned and disbelieved. So today, we're going to focus in on two ideas or characteristics of prophets, which will hopefully serve to deepen our understanding of the role of God's prophets. So why don't we jump in? Anna and Sam, can you tell us about these two different ideas that we're going to be looking at today? So sometimes prophets are also called visionaries or seers. So the words Jose or Rohe in Hebrew, and that means that they could envision or see things that others could not about the present and maybe about the future because God revealed it to them. So we have almost mundane examples of this in the scripture, like when Samuel knew that Saul's donkeys had been lost three days ago and that they were already found, even though nobody had told him about that, but God revealed it to him so that he could tell Saul. Um, We also, Nathan knew the sin that David had committed with Bathsheba. He saw that situation clearly, The, the things that David had thought were in secret. The prophet knew because God knew and God allowed the prophet to see clearly that situation. Or in another classic example, there was a time when Israel was under attack from Syria and there was a prophet named Elisha who his servant was afraid and Elisha prayed so that the servant's eyes could be opened and that he would see the heavenly armies that actually were surrounding um, the, the armies of Israel. So a prophet sees things correctly and sometimes sees things that can't be seen just with like their human eyes. Sometimes it's a spiritual understanding or knowing something that they weren't physically told. Um, So that's part of the scene that a prophet does. And these people are also sometimes called the Hebrew root for prophet, which is Nabi. And this word means that they not only clearly can see Israel's connection with God, but they are also designated to speak into that relationship and to speak the word of the Lord. Uh, So they're kind of considered announcers. They announce vital information 
and serve as a spokesman for God. Um, so their role is uh, twofold. It's to, bo- to both foretell in the present sense by um, speaking truth and pointing God's people back to the law to speak correction in their lives, but also to foretell in the future sense by giving them warnings of judgments and um, pronouncements of hope as well for their future. Great. Thank you, Anna and Sam. And we're going to kind of follow those two different things, um, and we'll see those come up as we dive into Isaiah. Um, That'll give us some kind of deeper meaning, hopefully, to um, kind of behind the title of prophet. Um, so we'll, yeah, so we'll follow this kind of seeing, this announcing of God's plan and will for Israel. So today we are going to jump into Isaiah. Um, Isaiah is one of the prophets of the Old Testament that has a book of the Bible named after him. Um, there are pro- prophetic books. Um, the prophetic books are the last kind of large section of the Bible um, or a large section of the Old Testament. Um, and they follow after the section of books containing the poetic or wisdom literature. For example, the Psalms, um, of which we read one of those last week. Um, so that's just kind of where these prophetic books are. Um, but And we're talking about Isaiah, who has a book named after him, but prophets are also in other Old Testament books. Uh-huh. So Isaiah specifically um, is a prophet who ministers to the people of Israel, from around 740 to 680 BC. And at this point in history, um, centuries have passed since the time of the first kings, Saul and David. Um, David's son Solomon becomes king after David um, and builds a temple. And that, sadly, is where the United Kingdom ends. Only three kings in, and the kingdom of Israel is divided into the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which is often called Judah. Each of these kingdoms has their own line of kings, and both Israel and Judah are seen time and time again to rebel against God. Anna actually has some cool charts that kind of just map out these lines of kings and these prophets, and they're very helpful for kind of seeing these lines and just visualizing them. Yeah, because obviously in our Bible study, we're skipping over centuries of history, and it's just really hard to track with that. I mean, Sky has just laid it out, and what she said is true, but sometimes those words just slip away from us. Um, so if you're a visual learner, or even if you're not, I just really recommend you check out these links. I'll put them in the show notes, um, but it's this awesome website called visualunit.me, and they have great charts about lots of things in the Bible. The ones I'll link to are of the kings of Judah and Israel. That will show that division that Sky just talked about, that three kings happened and then the kingdom divided. And the other one is the timeline of Isaiah's ministry, which Sky is just about to talk about. So if you need visuals, definitely go check out those links because I have found them super helpful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, so on kind of Isaiah's ministry, um, Isaiah himself speaks to the southern kingdom of Judah um, in the days of four kings. And we have this from Um, Isaiah chapter one, verse one, Um, but these four kings are Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Isaiah warns the people to turn back to God so that they will not fall into the same fate as as the northern kingdom, who, due to their rebellious ways, um, has been captured and taken into exile in Assyria. So Isaiah is proclaiming God's word and warning of future judgment in attempts of helping the southern kingdom to see correctly and to turn back to God's statutes. 
The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are mostly about doom and judgment, um, followed by chapters 40 through 66, which are mainly comfort and hope. So Isaiah is ministering to Judah, the southern kingdom, who in chapter 41, verse 8, is called my servant and chosen by God. Israel, or Judah, however, fails to see the Lord properly. They, do, they are not a faithful servant. They do not act as God's chosen. And there are a number of verses in Isaiah chapter 40, 41, and 42 that speak of their failure. So we're going to turn to one of those sections right now um, and read from it. So, Sam, would you read for us Isaiah 42, verses 18 to 25? Sure. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter? And Israel to the plunderers, was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned, in whose ways they would not walk, and in whose law they would not obey? So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. Thanks for reading that, Sam. So... From this passage, um, we're seeing kind of the God's people, the people of Judah, um, and kind of some of their failures. Um, so, Anna, Sam, can you guys just jump in and tell me what do you notice from this passage about the failures of Judah? Um, Judah, who's supposed to be the chosen people, uh, God's faithful servant. Uh, what do you notice about their failures? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, he talks about how who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger. So it's like the servant can't be effective because they can't see correctly. Um, and yeah, so he keeps mentioning deaf and blind, deaf and blind, deaf and blind. So that that really stood out to me. I was looking at um, the verse that says he sees many things but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear um, and I think about how when I get really absorbed into a book that I'm reading, for example, I kind of tune out the world around me and I'm so focused on that one thing. And so if my mom were to come into the room and ask me to turn, like to physically turn my attention towards her, if I'm super absorbed, I can't do that. I can't turn towards her physically or like in my in my senses to hear her or to like acknowledge her. And I think Israel's going through the same thing where they're so absorbed in, in their idols or in themselves. Um, just, just They're not able to physically and spiritually turn to God in repentance uh, for, for their sins that they've committed against Him. Well, and they're in a bad situation, right? Because it says this people is plundered and looted and trapped in holes and prisons. So they're not in a good situation, but they can't quite correctly perceive why they're in this bad situation. <laughs> Um, right. They, it's like God, 
uh, was punishing them for their sin and they were he poured out anger on them, but it says they did not understand and they did not take it to heart. So when God punishes, it's a call to people to repent. It's it's supposed to sort of wake you up and call you back to God, but they're not really waking up. <laughs> um, they're not coming back to God. They're not seeing it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that, I just think of too. Yeah, from because they're not repenting, um, they're not learning. They're not understanding. Um, they're not seeing kind of what God wants for them. What it would look like to live. Um, under his will to live out his commands and his statues. So it's just, yeah, they're not able to learn. They're not able to progress or move forward. They're really just stuck where they are, they're stuck in their sin and their disobedience. I also think that it's such an interesting verse. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. And I just think the themes that we've tracked in earlier weeks is that Israel was supposed to be like a light on a hill, like to show the beauty of the Lord by keeping his law and magnifying him and making him glorious by their adherence to the law, which was good. But yeah, they haven't been able to do that in so many ways. In many of the narratives that we've skipped, you just see time and time again that they don't keep the law of the Lord. They don't magnify him in that way. Yeah, and specifically the verse says they've, you know, they've sinned against God um, in whose ways they would not walk, in whose laws they would not obey. Um, So you just kind of clearly see there their rebellion. They're turning away from God. Um, They refuse to obey him. They refuse to walk in the direction that God would have them go. So, yeah, that's another piece that just really kind of stands out to me um, in the sense of this chosen people um, kind of failing to be faithful, failing to kind of chase after God. Yeah, and this really is the macro history of so many of the stories that we don't have time to read. But unfortunately, this is a good summary of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and some of those other passages, they show up throughout the Bible. I feel like this is the whole cycle of the Bible is sin, turn away from God, punishment. Um, and um, and there's other passages in Isaiah that kind of we could, we could read, we're not going to, but speak of kind of the same thing, speak of their failures. Um, some of them talk about their failures in terms of complaining in terms of lack of faith, um, giving into fear, um, and again, this continued rebellion against the Lord. So Isaiah, the prophet, is able to see clearly their failures um, as he kind of then announces the judgment that will come upon Israel for their failure to be God's people. So Isaiah is able to see even beyond this immediate future, even beyond this future judgment, um, he's able to give hope, um, kind of looking towards the future, speaking of another servant um, that the Lord will raise up. Um, And this kind of goes towards like that prophetic voice, being able to see kind of into a more long-term future. Um, So Isaiah continues in the book of Isaiah. We can read about how he prophetically writes about the servant who is to come. Um, And there are a number of passages in Isaiah that speak of this coming servant. Um, And we're going to turn to one of those passages right now. So, Anna, would you be able to read for us Isaiah 42, um, verses 1 through 9? Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. 
He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Yeah. So there's a lot that could be discussed in here. Um, and so much of it from what we see and what we've just heard um, is in stark contrast to the unfaithful people of Israel. Um, the chosen people and their unfaithfulness is just so different from what we're reading about the servant who is to come. Um, so Sam, Anna, join me in just kind of thinking about this passage that we've just heard um, and the descriptions kind of of the servant. So what descriptions of the servant do you notice here? Um, one aspect that stands out to me um, is there's so much mention of uh, the servant who has healing capabilities. Um, he can mm-hmm. um, open eyes that are blind. And I think about um, a couple of missionaries who are with PCF. They, they work in Ethiopia, and uh, one of them is an eye surgeon. And so he is restoring sight to people who have been blind for their whole lives. And in doing that and doing these life-saving surgeries, he's able to completely transform their the trajectory of the rest of their life. Um, it's so freeing. Um, and also their mission is, of course, to bring spiritual sight um, to these people as well. Um, but just that idea of once once our eyes are, are opened and, and restored and healed, there is this um, this truth that we are re- released from our former bondage and we're able to just have a completely transformed life. We, um, we will never go back to being blind. We will um, continue to live in, in sight of who God is. Well, I think there's an idea here too of, like we talked about the prophetic ministry as declaring things uh, the way they are so that people will open their eyes and see. And the, pro- and the prophet speaking the word of the Lord And sometimes I'm sure people did respond to what they said, but so many times they are rejected and people don't see and don't believe. And so in the way this servant, this sort of ultimate servant that's being mentioned will be someone that has a transformative power, just like you're saying, um, Sam, to actually open those eyes that are blind, to bring about the transformation necessary so that people can see, um, to heal them in a real way. Um, so I, I just think that's the goal of prophetic ministry, but I feel like the prophets never fully realized that complete transformation or, or it just, yeah, there was a way that they were looking for that more complete transformation in the future. And I think that transformation, that healing 
Um, you guys are mentioning kind of on that individual level, but I think we see that also on the nation level, kind of for the people of Israel, um, but also beyond that. Um, it says that he will be a light to the nations. Um, it says that he's going to bring forth justice to the nations. Um, and so it's not just God's people. It's not just the um, ethnic Israel, but it's going to go beyond that. I think that's showing how it's going to go beyond um, into the Gentile nations. Um, it's going to bring that full just restoration and healing um, of individuals, yes, um, but also more holistically um, of nations. I also, I love the verses, you know, he will not cry aloud. He will not break a bruised reed. Mm -hmm. And then the end of it is, he will faithfully bring forth justice. And you just, when you say someone's going to bring justice, you think they're going to bring down the rod. Like, um, you know, they're going to stomp all over the wildflowers in the field and just going to make declarations. And I mean, God's justice can be like that too, but it is also discerning. Like, he won't just trample people just because they're weak. He won't like just smash things sort of through force. Like it is a discerning justice that that cherishes those who are weak and don't have power and privilege, you know, who so often don't get justice. So it's just such an interesting verse to contrast the softness of the verse with the idea of justice coming. So there's a beautiful bringing together of gentleness and justice, which is so hard for people in like normal life to bring those two concepts together. So this servant will be able to combine those things in a beautiful way. Yeah. And the servant who uh, is not going to give up if it gets hard. Um, he says he's not going to go faint or discouraged till he has established justice. Um, so it's not like something's going to get hard. And he's like, you know what, actually I I'm, I'm out. I didn't really want to feel this pain. I, this is, this is difficult. He's like, no, I'm here. I'm going to stay here. Even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, I'm going to stay in it all the way until the end. Yeah, and it kind of contrasts with, I guess, the later verses of Isaiah or earlier verses in Isaiah 40 of how young men like grow weary and they stumble and fall. Um, but this servant is going to kind of outlast that he's going to go beyond. Um, and it kind of just speaks to this special charge that he's going to be given by God. Um, he's going to be able to step up to, to the duty. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be well equipped. And I think the one other thing that I just kind of mentioned from these is I love the just kind of relationship of the servant um, with the Lord. Um, the Lord kind of starts off saying, my spirit will be upon him. Um, the servant is someone who my soul will delight in. Um, and he says he's called this person. He's called this servant, um, the creator of the universe. God, Lord, Yahweh has called this servant and delights in him. Um, and that's just, that's just beautiful language, beautiful truths um, that are just encouraging for me to hear. Well, and at the end, we see too that prophetic foretelling that Sam was mentioned. New things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So sometimes when we're reading the prophets, it's not always clear if they're talking about something that's happening now or will happen. But Isaiah is saying, this is something to look forward to. Um to the people that he's talking to at that time. Um, one more thing that stands out to me is the, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. And it just, just kind of, again, with that foreshadowing, looking ahead to Jesus's ministry, like so many things that Jesus does is so unexpected. Uh, like, right. He 
does these amazing miracles and acts and then tells people to not say anything about it. Um, and it's just so against the grain. It's so um, the opposite of what we would expect for someone to, to, to do or to say. Um, and yet here Isaiah is kind of giving us a clue of like, don't look according to what human expectations um, might might say, like look, looking for the loudest voice in the street as, <laughs> as whatever is making the biggest um, noise, but he's he's saying, look, look beyond that. Look according to what God is is telling you, um, and follow follow His um, guidance, because our expectations are going to lead us astray. Yeah, and it's a good thing that it's yeah, it's not our expectations, um, but it's what God prophesies, what He declares, um, and I think that's something. Just it's like from this verse, there are so many things that are promised. There's so many promises about this servant who is to come. So this is one passage from Isaiah that speaks of this servant and the characteristics of this servant. And by what we have read, I think it's obvious that this servant will embody all that Israel should have. Um, But where Israel failed, this servant will not fail, not even in one aspect. This perfect servant who is to come, and who will suffer, is the hope of Israel, and the whole world for that matter. And in Bible study this week, we're going to read more about this suffering servant. Um, We're going to read from Isaiah 52 and 53 about the suffering servant. And we're going to talk about how this word of God, given through the prophet Isaiah, will be fulfilled some 700 years later. These are such amazing passages where we see God's plan of salvation and mercy laid out so clearly in the Old Testament. We do hope you will join us as we continue the study of Isaiah in Bible study this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Grace and peace from the Bible Talk team.